Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. I love BC, actually. I've been here, I think it's my fourth time, and it is a bit depressing, to be honest with you. It's, it's rainy and just kind of gloomy, and uh, it is what it is, just own it. And um, I went to school, actually, in Portland, Oregon for four years, so I'm familiar with the, the rain, you know, rains once here, doesn't it? It starts in September, I think it ends in May. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's cool, it's good to be here, and go Vancouver Canucks, it's great. I'm a Leafs fan. Um, it is what it is, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it is, the, I was telling my friend last night, it's like loving a woman that just doesn't love you back. <laughs> and people ask me, because, you know, because I, so I live in California, and people ask me, like, oh, you're Canadian, like, do you love uh, hockey? And I'm like, yeah, they're like, you never watch it. I'm like, because I'm a Leafs fan. You know, like, I, I care so much about it that I, so anyhow, um, I'm Canadian, I love you. I haven't been to Tim's yet, I need to go down there, I need to get a Timbit or something. At least a honey cruller. Is it still good? I heard it's been changing. That's what I've heard. I heard it's been changing. It's the best? Okay, never mind. Barbara says it's good. So, all right. All right, let's get into this. Um, Today, uh, if you're taking notes, uh, this talk is called Yod with Kabod. Yod with Kabod. It's two um, Hebrew words. You probably have no clue what they mean. And uh, by the end of this message, you'll know two Hebrew words. It's going to be great. You're going to learn today. It's great. And the title of the talk is sort of a microcosm of the message in that I think that as Christians, sometimes we do things that we don't know why we're doing them. And so uh, the thought of this message is is really sort of my existential crisis as a Christian. Not in the sense of like, it's quasi-existential. It's not like I no longer believe in God. Or what we, why am I lifting my hands? Why do we sing? Is this Christian karaoke? You know, like, what is it? And so some of these questions that I've been pondering, I've, I've been a Christian since I was a kid, I guess you could say. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say, but I was essentially born into church. My parents have been in ministry for forever. This is all I've really ever known. So I'm pretty Christian-y. Um, and I'm not necessarily proud of that. But uh, there are things that, that in in church and in Christianity that, yeah, it's just like we do them constantly. And even as somebody who, I'm 36 years old, I've been doing this for a long time, things just like, they lose their meaning, you know, in repetition. And so this this is sort of where this is kind of coming from, um, th- th- this message. And um, so let me do this. I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to help. Thank you that when we read it, your Holy Spirit speaks. Holy Spirit, you're the one that inspired the scriptures, and you love to speak through them. And so thank you that While there's so many different people in this room with unique circumstances and unique challenges and unique fears and unique questions uh, today, God, you're able to somehow speak to us corporately as a church, but also individually, directly into our situation. Only you can do and let the Canucks win today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. So good. Really? There's like four of you that clapped for that. I really leaned into that prayer for you, Vancouver, and you don't even care. Okay, here we go. So, let me show you something cool. Ah, here we go. This is my Disneyland pass. Yeah, yes I did. Yeah, I did. Okay? Read it and weep. 
So I moved, I moved from New York City to, to Costa Mesa, California. And my wife and I decided that we were going to, we were in, I was in New York for eight years. We've been married for six. And we decided, let's, let's just do the California thing, right? Like, so beach and get a Disneyland pass. And my Disneyland pass, by the way, no blackout dates, okay? It's the top one, okay? We love it. I love the stories of Disney. I grew up on the movies. It's like one of the few things I was allowed to watch as a Christian kid. So I know all the songs, right? I got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I got who's it's and what's it's galore. Thingamabobs. I've got, but who cares? No big deal. I want more, right? So Disneyland for me is magical because I know the stories and I know the songs and nothing is wasted on me, right? Like there's no throwaways in Disney, right? Because I'm total immersion, man. And, and it's magical. And church can be like that when you know the stories, you know the songs, and you know why it is you're doing what you're doing. At times, things are just not that magical. And so my, my heart today is that by the end of this message, things are a little bit clearer and a little bit more magical. Story, uh, I've been married for six years, and I'm just starting to get to know my wife. Like, just starting to get to know my wife. Tim Keller, he's a uh, he's a uh, American pastor in New York, thinker, theologian. He says that it takes about five to ten years for you to realize that you're not married to the person that you thought you married. Like, you're married to a complete and total stranger. Like, who are you? <laughs> now, interestingly, most marriages only last seven years. <laughs> So, right, do the math, like, oh, who are you? What, you know, like, and I thought you loved spaghetti. You know, no, like, I've been telling you for six freaking years, I don't like spaghetti, right? And, and this is how a relationship is supposed to work, by the way. So, so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to allow somebody to self-define in, in, a, in a relationship. That's the whole point, right? If I have a relationship with you every time we meet people, right? Like, and this, this is who they are and they love spaghetti and they do whatever I say. You know, like, that's how we are as human beings. We are super controlling and we project onto each other the idealized spouse. And we don't listen. We don't shut our mouth and allow people to self-define. That's why marriages don't work. It's because people are just, it's just the projection. It's the continual projection. And so, yeah, so, so, so this is how marriage in a relationship is supposed to work. So it's crazy. So you shut your mouth. You ask the person what they think or what they like. And then and the sounds go in here. And then your computing device, just all the compute, you know what I mean? And then you think about it. And then you respond. It's insane. And then, now, and then this, it gets better. So then after that, allowing the person to self-define and asking those questions and shutting your mouth for five seconds, this is crazy. So you find out what they like, and then you do what they like. And if people do that, they have great marriages, but nobody does that. Somebody who goes, listen to that person, now do what they say. These people make so much money. And the door is it right, but we, we can't do that. Now, one of the reasons why we can't do that, obviously we're control freaks and we project, okay? So there's that. 
No, no, you're like this. No, you're, no, you're, you're like that. This is the person I married. No, you were projecting. Um, you weren't listening. But secondly, we love people the way we want to be loved. And that's why we don't love people the way they want to be loved. Because I want to love you the way I want to be loved. Right? And here's the thing about boys and girls. They don't ever want to be loved the same way. Like typically, different love languages. In addition, right, we have different preferences because we're persons. So, so, okay, so, so my wife and I, okay, my wife is Australian, okay? I'm from Ontario. She likes toast with avocado on it. In Ontario, if you go to a truck stop or you go get a breakfast and they, they bring toast out, you eat everything else first. You know, like, and toast, like you wipe your face with it and you throw it. <laughs> right? But Australians are obsessed with toast. It's, hilarious. it's like a mainstay for them. It's like their thing, dude. So, I've, you know, like as a husband, I'm taking notes. You know what I mean? When my wife likes something, she rolls her eyes in the back of her head. She's like... <laughs> you know? I have learned to like get her. I, I'm always looking for breads for her, for her toast. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to make her happy. I don't, that, that makes her happy. You know, like I know that she's like, if I get avocado toast and I bring that home, it's going to be a win. You hearing me, right? Yeah. My wife loves all types of wines. Okay. She loves to drink wine. Uh, one of the wines that she likes, she's been drinking Cab Savs lately and she's been enjoying them and I'm very proud of her. But she's been drinking, she, she prefers a Pinot Noir, okay, Pinot Noir. Now, Pinot Noir is a very neutral grape. It's an it's a easy drinking wine. It's very neutral, very transparent. So much so that you can taste the ground that it's grown in, okay? <laughs> then, on top of that, on the nose, like when you put your nose, next time you have a Pinot Noir, just literally, even if you don't drink, just nose a freshly opened pack of tennis balls. <laughs> or a freshly cut garden hose. Okay? I believe those are the, the sommelier vernacular that they employ in terms of a Pinot Noir on the nose. Okay? Dirty, rubbery water. You hearing me? But that's what she likes. And what a more full-bodied wine on the, on the spectrum. I like an explosive Cab Sav, California Cab Sav, into a Merlot. It's just what I prefer, right? Um, I'll drink a Pinot Noir, but it's not my preference. Jazzy, her preference is a good Oregonian Pinot Noir. It's what she likes, right? So I, I want to love her, and I get her the Pinot Noir. You hearing me? Yeah. Now, God is a, is a person. He's a horse. And as a person... He self-defines, number one, which is, it's so reasonable and it's so rational that there would be a scriptures. Of course, wait, why is a Bible? Because God's a person. And as a person, he wants to be known. And how does he make himself known? Through the scriptures. It's his self. You're hearing me. But as control freaks, we do this to God. We go, uh, no, uh, my God um, is like this. Well, no, he's a person and you don't get to define what he's like. You have to find out what he's like. He self-defines. You hearing me? And then secondly, God has preferences. Is it unreasonable that Jasmine has preferences as a person? You would agree with me. It's reasonable that, yes, yeah, she has preferences. God's a person. He has preferences. 
Now, you're in relationship with him. And that ups the ante, because by the way, relationships suck. It's funny because it's true. Anybody that's married here? Yeah, yeah. So I'll take a religion over a relationship any day. Because, because relationships are work, right? You have to shut up. You have to listen. You have to serve the other person. You hearing me? I find that a lot of people are like, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, because they're just trying to get what they want. Yeah, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. I can do whatever. Buckle up, Jesus. This is what we're doing. <laughs> you hearing me? <laughs> it's a relationship, and in a relationship, you have to listen, and you can't define that other person. You have to Allow them to self-define, and then you need to find out their preferences, and you need to love them that way. Now, this is the thing. God's loved you. He's initiated everything. He's so much for you. You'll never be able to pay him back. It's impossible. But what you can do in this relationship is find out who he is, show a little bit of interest in him by finding out who he is, what he's like in the scriptures, and then find out his preferences and give him the Pinot Noir. That's, that's, that is worship in a nutshell. Christian worship is giving God the Pinot Noir and having that attitude that God, I'm going to make this relationship work and the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to sit in your grace and your mercy. I know that your preference is and I'm going to give you the Pinot Noir. It's actually really easy. But it's difficult because we're stubborn and we don't want to love God the way that he wants to be loved. We want to love him the way that we want to be loved. God doesn't want to be loved the way you want to love him. He wants to be loved the way that he wants to be loved. You hearing me? All right, let's talk about this. So firstly, let's look at a passage of Scripture, Psalm 141, verse 2. Psalm 41, verse 2. Um, that's the one. Okay. Let my prayer... This is David. David is an incredible uh, songwriter. We have his entire discography in the Psalms. He is a poet. He's a producer of all things musical and worship, super, super talented. It's most likely that he wrote this passage while he was on the run for a lot of his life. He was on the run because he was anointed to be king of Israel one day, but there was this guy named Saul who was the king and didn't want David to be the king. And so Saul was trying to kill David constantly. David loved the presence of God. He loved the tabernacle. He loved to worship in God's house. Most likely away from Israel, his heart is longing for God's courts and his presence. And he says, Lord, you know, like contextually so, Lord, I'm not here. I'm not at the tabernacle. But Lord, let my prayer, when I talk to you now, like in this moment, I'm not at the tabernacle, but I know, and I know there's some serious distance, you know, I'm like, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. He begins to talk uh, through some tabernacle language. Do you guys remember the Ark of the Covenant? Um, like, remember that movie, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Right? Steven Spielberg. Great. Indiana Jones. The end of the movie, they open up the Ark of the Covenant and the Nazis' faces melt off. Do you remember that? It was God's resting place, his throne on the earth for a season. Okay? And the Ark was at the tabernacle. And there was like this little VIP room that the Ark was in and nobody's allowed into God's green room. And there's like this, this, this veil across the Holy of Holies. Once a year, a priest could go in and check on the ark, and then he'd have to bail skis. So there's this, there's this furniture, table of incense, that was to be burned perpetually. 
before, before the throne of God. Now, the tabernacle, by the way, is just a doll's house. So like, you know, like a Barbie doll house is just a, a, like a miniature house, like a real person's house, right? It's built in the image of the, the real thing. The tabernacle is just the doll house to God's throne room in heaven. So like God's throne room, there's like, we see in the book of Revelation, John sees this incense coming before the throne of God, and it was the prayers of the saints. When you pray, your prayers are literally incense before the throne of God. And so, but David had no idea. He's just praying through the language of the tabernacle. We throw that, that, that passage up one more time. He's praying through the language of the tabernacle, and he's prophetically, like, almost uh, tapping into this, anticip- this prophetic anticipatory prayer here, going, God, like, like when I pray, let my inc- like the prayers be incensed before you. And da- God's going, yeah, it is. And, he's, and especially what you and I experience today, where we're able to go right into the throne of God because we have access through Jesus Christ by faith. And, and when we pray, our prayers are right there. Our, there's no ceiling on our prayers as Christians. We have direct access. And then he says, and the lifting up of my hands, you love the sacrifices. I know that you're delighted in the sacrifices. I know that they please your heart. And I love to bring things to you to please you. I can't bring something to you right now. I'm far away from the tabernacle. But what I can do is as I'm, lift, as I'm praying and as I'm worshiping you, God, I can lift my hands to you. My hands to you would that please your heart. You hearing me? This is why we lift our hands. Because we see in the Psalms that David's going, there's something about hand lifting that it's like a sacrifice to the Lord, that the Lord just loves it. It's the Pinot Noir. He's into it. You hearing me? Uh, now, the, the Hebrew word for, for hand is yod. The Hebrew word for hand is yod. Now, if you have a hand here, would you just do me a favor, just a just little p- audience participation, and just show me your hand. Just like that. Just show me your hand. Okay. Now, do me a favor and just shake your hand like that. Okay, that's brilliant. You guys are insane. It's awesome. And then what you did, you did a yada. A yada is just a waving of the hand. It's literally what yad, yada, yad, the root word, and yada to wave the hand. Yada, you, rec- you don't recognize the word possibly in its Hebrew form, but you'd recognize, recognize it in its English transliteration or Latinized form, Judah. mean praise in, in, in Hebrew. Now, um, because in, in the Hebrew mind, praise always involved the yad. It always involved the hands. Yada is it's praise. It's just waving of the hands. There's hands involved in it. You hearing me? So let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to jump into the New Testament. Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews is going to take this psalm, Psalm 141, and he's going to harvest its organs and create some New Testament theology around it. You hearing me? So he says this in Hebrews 13, through him, through Jesus then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Ooh. Now, interestingly, the, the Greek in the book of Hebrews is so technical. In fact, it's unlike anything else that we have in the New Testament. It's very, very technical Greek. And most scholars believe that the book of Hebrews was written originally in technical Hebrew and then translated from that technical Hebrew into technical Greek. So this passage would have read, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of yada to God. Okay, like it's involving your hands to God. 
right? And that is, and then obviously the, the lips are involved, right? The prayers acknowledge his name. So you're acknowledging him and you're lifting your hands to the Lord. This is New Testament stuff here. And then do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, I don't know about you. I'm seeing a couple of sacrifices here and it's bring a bowl up here and kill it. You know what I mean? Like we did in Inner West, which was great. We just sacrificed a lamb. It was incredible. I had to change because I had blood all over me. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> now, there are sacrifices that the New Testament church is supposed to perform. Okay? We're, I'm going to touch on them really quickly. Um, now, before we do that, let's just get something theologically set here. Jesus is the once and for all unique sacrifice. He was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God who in his body took away the sins of the world. That is, all those who receive him by faith. So Jesus was the sacrifice to the Father and he goes, Father, look, I'm going to take upon them. I'm sinless and I'm give them. And I'm going to take their sins upon me. I am the sacrifice. I'm, the sh I'm shielding them. I'm paying the ransom for them. And everybody who believes in Jesus now you're right with God, okay? There's no sacrifice that we need to do anymore. There's a once and for all unique sacrifice. It's just Jesus Christ, and then by faith, you just believe in his sacrifice, and boom, you're good. You hearing me? That's what we believe as Christians. It's talking about, they don't put me uh, in better relationship with God, or like, like I'm not doing these sacrifices, or performing these sacrifices for God's approval. I have received God's approval by faith, and I'm, as a New Testament Christian, to somehow appease God or to make him love me any more than he possibly can. God, I am sacrificing from his love that is just, he just loves me incredibly. You hearing me? Okay? But there are still sacrifices that I'm supposed to bring. Now watch this. First Peter, as in God loves you. It's not a mono-racial ethno-state like Israel was but it's people from a diverse ethnic background and you've all been chosen and now there's a new people of God. You're like this new race of people. Priesthood. Pretty dope. You're a priest. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a priest. Who knew? It's incredible. You're a priest. Now, this concept is a game changer. It's a total game Is Well, there's a multiplicity of reasons and we'll go through them, but... Martin Luther, like 400 years ago. By the way, this is like the... Martin Luther's sitting there and he's got 95 problems with the Catholic Church. And one of them was that the priesthood were the ones that were doing all the work, right? You needed a priest to connect with God. You needed a priest to get your sins dealt with. You needed a priest for this. You needed a priest for that, etc. Martin Luther reads 1 Peter 2.9. I don't need a priest. I am a priest. You hearing me? We're a priest and you've received a priesthood. You hearing me? Okay, and priests, uh, it, there's a huge difference between a priesthood and, and, for example, a consumer. So everywhere else you go in, in life, like a restaurant, go to the gas station, you go to the mall, you, everywhere you go, you're a consumer, right? With your, like your Yelp review, right? You guys do Yelp in Canada, right? It's amazing. You ever met somebody who's a Yelp reviewer? They're horrible people, okay? <laughs> Right, and you're just sitting there, and like you're at, like you're at, you know, wherever you're at, you're at Swiss Chalet, and you're just like, mm, fries are kind of cold. Mm. 
out of five stars, 2.7. You know, like, that waitress was kind of mean to us, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm not going to tip her. And 1.9, right? Like, chicken's a little dry. So, you know, like, right? And you're just Yelp reviewing your way through life. And what happens is when we forget that we're priests, we walk in as consumers with our Yelp app to church. And you see, you're not here to Yelp review. And you're not here necessarily even for you. You're actually a priest. And to be quite honest with you, our church at Hillsong Church, we're all about the priesthood of the believer. Like people come to build, we build church. That's what Christians do. Christians are priests. And you're doing the job of the ministry. You hearing me? You're not here to go, oh, you know, like they didn't sing any songs that I like. So 2.7, you know, like, you know, where was the worship leader from last week? He was so much better. Today it's like a 1.7. Aaron, he's not as presentable as Justin is. And I don't like his jokes, so 1.2, right? We Yelp review when we're not doing our job, and you're a priest, and you have, you have actually several jobs. Okay, so what do priests do? Number one, priests minister to the Lord. That's what their, their first and foremost job. You come into church, and you go, God, I'm not here for anything but to minister to you. I'm here for you, so it doesn't matter what we're singing. We can be singing Kumbaya. And I'm going to lift my hand and you're good and you're merciful and you're kind and you're just and you're long suffering and you're amazing and you're in charge and you're just incredible. So I'm just going to worship you. Hear me like this isn't the worship team. You're the worship team. These dudes are just facilitating your role as a priest to do your job. You hearing me? So as your brother from Ontario, do your job. You had one job. You hear me? See how it's a game changer? Right? Like, God, I'm here for you. All of a sudden, posture shift. Right? I'm here for you. Priests minister to others. Okay, so I'm here for you, Lord. I'm here to minister to somebody else. All right, I'm going to minister to somebody else. I'm going to cheer somebody up today. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for someone today. I'm going to build church. I'm going to get involved here. I'm a priest. Right? Like, this is my job. And a, and a priest brings the sacrifices. We used to sing this really embarrassing song at my church when I was a kid. We bring the sacrifice of love. Horrible song. But great truth. Great truth. Because we knew what we were doing. We bring the sacrifice of praise. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Okay. Oh, that's what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes like we just, but as Christians, then we forget. Why, why am I doing that? Why are we singing? What are we doing? What's good? It turned into a consumer game. It's a great little cultural reference there from the mid to late 90s. Um, we're priests, and we're called to minister to the Lord, and we're called to bring the sacrifices. So I'm, God wants the Pinot Noir. So when I come in, I'm going, God, I brought the bottle. So I got three points here today, okay? Because I'm a good preacher, and I, we have three things to say at any given time, okay? <laughs> Point number one, God wants Yod. He wants Yod. He wants your hands. So give him Yod. Give him the Pinot Noir. You're a priest. Do your job. <laughs> That's why we do what we do. We're a priest. What he wants? He wants my hands. Great. You're going to get my hands. Jazzy, you, want, you like Pinot Noir? Babe, you're going to get lots of Pinot Noir. I'm bringing the Pinot, babe. You know what I'm saying? God, you love me. You've been so good to me. You want Yod? You're getting it. I'm giving it to you. Looks weird. I don't always want And I'm a priest. You hearing me? That's the that's the shit that's what that's the shift and the attitude that we need. You hear me? Okay. Uh, incredible power.
Psalm 57, 7 to 11. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Um, the Hebrew word there for glory is the Hebrew word kabod. Kabod. It literally means in Hebrew, weight. We translate it as glory. But your kabod is your weight. Everybody has a glory. Okay, so God, we talk about God's glory a lot. But you actually have a glory to you, and I'm going to worship you with my kabod, with my weight. And then is my harp and lyre. I am a rock and roller. You know, so I'm, it's what I'm good at, God. So I'm going to bring that, right? It's my, it's my, it's what I'm known for, instance, and I'm bringing that. You hearing me? David always worshiped the Lord with his kabod, with his weight. Your weight, uh, let's talk about your weight for a second. Everybody has a weight. Uh, your weight, your kabod is like what you're known. Somebody's like, hey, who's that dude? And they're like, oh, that's my, my buddy so-and-so, and he's a mechanic, and he owns this shop across town, and he's incredible. His work is an incredible husband, and he's an incredible golfer, and he's an incredible father, and he's just, right? That's your kabod. It's what you're known for. Your kabod is why somebody would call you on the phone and ask you for advice. It's what you're good at. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sort through that stuff. That's like your kabod, right? Your kabod is also your, it's not even necessarily sometimes things that you're good at. Your kabod can be your dialed, you ever been on a first date before? And you're just like Aerosmith, don't want to miss a thing. You know what I mean? You're just like hanging on every word. You know what I mean? Like so much attention. Just fall in love with guys. And then we're just like, hello. Right? And so part of the, one of the ways that I love my wife is by listening to her psychotic dreams. Right? <clears throat> my wife has crazy. You love your wife. And listening to crazy things is how you love her too. And then asking questions. That's conversations. This new thing that I'm implementing. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> You know, so I mean, you know, we'll be driving and she'll be telling me her, like one of her dreams, right? I was being chased by a velociraptor, you know, like, and I'm like, really? What happened now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just drawing my kabod. So I'll give the attention, I'll ask the question, the follow up, and then she'll be like going off, and then I'll be like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And then she'll be like, loser, you know? God's like a woman, is disconnected. He's not stupid. Girls are really smart. You can't fake a relationship with them. Like they're on to us. They're smarter. It is what it is, guys. There's this girl at our offices in New York. She's administrative in the office. In the office, her kabod is keeping us dialed in and on track. You're hearing me, right? And... Uh, I'd never thought that she was like the dancing type. She just doesn't look like anybody who would ever dance or whatever. Um, so three years ago, we're out at an office party in New York City, and we're all dancing or whatever, and her song comes on. Everybody else is dancing. She's not, you know, it's like whatever. She gets up there, and she starts to dance, and it's the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> but it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. You know what I mean? Have you ever seen somebody just going ham? Do you know what I mean? And you're just going, you're like terrified and in bewilderment and wonder at the same, right? Because like their kabod is in it, right? You don't have to, you're hearing me, right? That's your kabod, it's your weight, man. Like they, you're in this thing. And God wants kabod. God wants yod, but he also wants kabod. He wants like your, your everything to be in it. Some of you, you your, your, your kabod could be maybe encouragement. If I gave you a pen and a paper and I was like, hey, this person over here, 
they're discouraged, could you just encourage them? And you could do that, man. You could write this beautiful letter. Oh, everything's going to be okay. Honey pie, you know. And you give it to them and they just feel so much better. But in worship, there's a disconnect. It's like God's not getting your kabod. He's not getting that highest flower of your articulation. Never gets it. But it's, it's, it's a weight that you bring. Some of you, you make money. You're entrepreneurial. You're, you're, you're going to make money, some of you as well. And, and connect to your worship. You know, it's like, and here's the deal about a relationship, by the way. Joint bank accounts, dude. Right? Like, my wife has complete access to my life. It's scary. She's got the credit cards, dude. You know, like, you, you can't have a relationship where it's like, we're married now, and I'm going to give you $20 cash a week. But you see this? You're not allowed to touch that. And don't ever ask me for the pin because I'll just laugh at you. You know what I mean? Like, no, like a relationship, it's complete access. You hearing me? And that's how relationship. You hearing me? God wants complete access. And he's like a woman. He knows when you're not, right? You could be doing this. You could be bringing the Pinot Noir, but you're not bringing your kabod. God wants the Pinot. He wants your hands. But he wants Yod with kabod. That's point number two. He wants Yod with, he wants hands with heart. It's the weight behind it. God, my time, my focus, my finances, every part of me, nothing will be hidden from you. You are, you hearing me? So what it, whatever it is that you want, I'm going to find out, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give you access to everything else. And God's not after perfection because God knows that we don't give perfection, right? Like, like, dude, me and worship, like, it's like listening to my wife. You know, like, like, what are we doing after? You know, like, and I just need to continually bring myself back to it. Like, I need to continually bring myself back to the conversation with Jazz. Leaning into the Lord. God, I'm going to continually bring myself back to this relationship. Okay, I, I've not been faithful with my tithing, with my offering. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going I'm, I'm to crush it this week. My kabod is going to be in this thing. Right. You hear, are they smoking cigarettes outside? It's like, is that guy done yet, man? Scott kicked in my apartment, dude. Oh. It's like musicians always. Okay, great. <laughs> I drank way too much last night, man. Oh. Worship leaders. <laughs> Kidding. I'm on to you guys. Just kidding. It's ridiculous. Just disregard all that. Okay. Somebody was like, it's true. It's true, though. It's actually true. <laughs> no, it's not true. It's not true. It's true. It's not true. <laughs> so good. So, number one's Yod. Point two is God wants Yod with Gabad. Okay. Point three is when you give God Yod with Kabod, you get God with Kabod. God has a weight and you can experience it. And a lot of times people don't experience it because they're just mailing in the relationship. And God will not lean into that. Oh, sure, you're saved. You got your fire insurance. You're going to heaven. But in terms of experiencing God's glory and his weight and his leaning into your life is why we worship. We worship as Christians because we can taste and see that the Lord is good. It's why we do it. He will draw near to you. Now, how do you draw near to somebody who's like omnipresent, right? Exactly. It's like all spiritual now. <laughs> draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So how do we draw near? Well, so we see that we see the God and Kabod in this year. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. 
you double-minded. What does it mean? It just means to read all about you and your focus has all been on you. And God's going, give me your hands. If you give them to me, it's sanctified when it's given. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you the yacht. The thing that you give him the access to becomes sanctified and holy. Amen. My bank account, God, make it holy. Make it sanctified. Lord, my time. Sanctify my time. My involvement in church. Every part of me. My skill set that I bring to build church. The Lord sanctifies it. Because it's given. You know, you're learning. You're leaning in. Draw near to you. I'll just give you a practical example. My attention. Right? And my kabod. Asking the questions. What happened next with the Velociraptor? <laughs> I experienced Jasmine's kabod. Right? Hello. That's just real. Right? Women aren't stupid, right? And, and, th- and that's, that's how a relationship works. You want there to be intimacy and you want to, to, to share in somebody else's beauty and their wonder and their kabod, et cetera. Then you have, you hearing me? I, I'm, I'm learning that my, uh, a better marriage is always just a better Nathan. It's not Jasmine, it's me. I bring, because uh, I'm the husband, right? So I, if I bring it, then she brings it. It's my job as a husband to initiate these things. And in my relationship with the Lord, as I bring, Lord, I'm bringing you my hands. You've already initiated this relationship. I love you because you first loved me. And Lord, I'm going to just respond to your love. I'm going to give you what you want. Do you want my hands? Do you want me to sing to you? Well, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it with my heart involved in it. Two people... Two people singing and lifting their hands, but one person's kabod is behind it, and the other person is mailing it in. Two radical experiences in God. Radical difference. I just want to encourage you, if you've been one of those Christians, you've kind of been on the edge. You know, and you're just, I mean, maybe you're just discovering, you're new in this walk, and you're just going, okay, I'm figuring this out, whatever. That's great. But you can access the glory of God. You can experience it. What would your life look like if God, who is in control and in charge of everything, and nothing is withheld from him, and he can open doors that no man can shut, and he can open the windows of heaven, and he can do whatever he wants, what would your life look like? Dang. That's why I worship. I worship God because I want his glory. It's good for me. (laughs) He's good for me. Right? I don't lift my hands because it's like what we do. Because we're at a soccer, you know, you know, we're at a, you know, so we're going to lift our hands. You know, I'm at a concert, so let's get my, get my lighter out. You know, like, it's not why we do that. I worship, like, because, because I have this confidence now that every time I bring my yod with kabod, I get God with kabod. And so there's a fresh confidence that I've, I've never had before. It's not a throwaway anymore, right? There's no throwaways. Everything's magical now, right? Or it's like when I lift my hands, it's what he likes. In the Old Testament, you see at every altar, when there's a sacrifice that God likes, He shows up. Every single time. God's more faithful than you are. You don't show up to things. He shows up to everything. Anything that's pleasing to Him, He turns up. It's just how He is because you're hearing me. So So you can have this crazy confidence as a believer, which is what the entire book of Hebrews is written about. That Hebrews 13 verse that it said, let's continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. Why? Because we want to continually experience his kabod and his glory and his weight. 
right? So like, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't I lift my hands at every, at any moment? And why wouldn't I give at any moment I can? Because it pleases his heart. And I know that every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. When I sacrifice, heaven responds. When I sacrifice, heaven responds. When I bring my yod, heaven responds. When I bring my finances in my heart, heaven responds. God shows up. Why don't you stand with me? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.